0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of the guys who's been a little bit of a villain for us in the show over the last couple of months is in kind of the hero role a little bit today. I want to share this with you for a Two different reasons because I think it's interesting on both accounts. And uh, our buddy Mike Griffith had written a story about this the other day at dognation.com. We'll talk to Mike later on. We may even bring this up with Mike. But a lot of these like national analysts, like the guys that do the games on television, one of the things they like to do is sort of share some kind of like, I guess you call them like capsulized bullet point type stuff on the various teams. They share their rankings, things like that. And the other day, as ESPN's Kirk Street was sharing a few things about uh, college ball weekend that was. He said something about Carson Beck that I could not help but notice. I want to show you this on the screen, read it to you, and then that's going to set us up for a conversation that I want us to have about Georgia football here today. This is what Herb Street said on Twitter. He updates his top four after week five. He's got Florida State at number four, Washington at number three, Texas at number two, and he's got Georgia right now at number one. And his explanation for Georgia here right now or his description of what he saw from Georgia – in winning a game that was slightly closer than the experts thought it would be against Auburn is, hey, the young quarterback, Carson Beck, grew up yesterday. Now, this is what I think is interesting about this. It's not very many words. There's not a whole lot to it but it's interesting for me that Kirk Herbstreet says what he says for two reasons here. Herbstreet is still the most recognizable voice around the sport. We think he's spread too thin. We think his college football opinions kind of reflect that. But nonetheless, Herbstreet is still the most recognizable voice in college football. And at one point in time, over the course of the offseason, expressing some skepticism about Georgia, uh, kind of touting Alabama, which seems like a little bit of an old uh, tired tale, but nonetheless, he was doing that. And we kind of took our shots at Herbstreet when he was saying all that. That kind of stuff. Yeah, here we are after five weeks of the season. A guy who started the year off with a little bit of skepticism of Georgia now looks the landscape through five games. Alabama's already lost. uh Perhaps Michigan, Ohio State, not as impressive to Herb Street. One way or another, he's got Georgia at number one. Now, this to me is important context, not because Herb Street's the be-all, end-all of opinions. We have plenty of reason to disagree with him. I'm sure you do there as well. Herb Street's just a guy with a loud sort of big platform loud megaphone he is not necessarily the ultimate tastemaker when it comes to kind of this kind of stuff but it is additional context for some georgia fans who look at the landscape around georgia football right now and they are concerned defense giving up more rushing yards than they're used to saying slow starts on offense more on that here in a moment seeing some blemishes with georgia that seem pretty uncustomary compared to the last two national championship teams a lot of georgia fans asking the question of oh my gosh what's wrong with uga And even using some of those concerns to perhaps convince themselves that Georgia has some sort of fatal flaw that prevents greatness from occurring here this particular year. Obviously, the future is yet to be determined. We don't know how this season is going to end for Georgia. But if you're a Georgia fan whose concern has risen to the level of assumption that Georgia won't have another national championship season, perhaps. Kirk Herbstreet here can be a little bit of a response to you on all of that that hey a guy who did not have Georgia number one to begin the season after seeing Georgia for five games and also seeing everybody else play for five games Herbstreet who's been kind of an open skeptic of UGA he has Georgia at number one right now and I think that ought to matter to you here a little bit the other reason that I bring up what Herb Street says is, is because Herb Street's words right there reflect so much of what we heard on our Dog Nation post game show from the field at Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday night, where I thought a lot of Georgia fans had very interesting responses, most of them similar in the fact they all said some form or version of what Herb Street said there that Carson Beck grew up, and I believe that Carson Beck, even though he threw an interception and even though he could have hit you know oscar and perhaps would have been a long touchdown pass even though there were a couple of miscues that were easily noticeable the fact is after all of that beck made some very big throws for georgia in the second half made some very big throws for georgia on third downs that carson beck really won over a good degree of the georgia fan base which at times let's be honest like all sec and passionate fan bases at times, this is a bunch that can be a little bit difficult to win over. Perhaps we ourselves in the show at times are a little bit difficult to fully win over. But Carson Beck seems like on Saturday night was starting to win over a good portion of Georgia fans. And part of the reason why I share the Herb Street tweet, just a small number of words, but the Herb Street language there very much reflects what a lot of Georgia fans feel like they've seen from Beck there too. That he's kind of growing up, he's becoming sort of a. To borrow a phrase kind of a man in full here as the Georgia starting quarterback he's just kind of settling in this just sort of starts to feel like his team and right now the confidence that UGA fans have in back is growing which I think leads to an appropriate question all right well what's next If he's passed the first test, which was final win against an SEC team, that was South Carolina, come from behind win in that game, by the way, may have counted as the second test. Third test for Beck is, okay, well, you've done it at home. Now can you go out and do it on the road? Beck passed that test. As Kirby Smarts pointed out, there weren't any kind of procedural penalties. Beck didn't seem shaken or rattled, seemed very much cool, calm, and in control. That's the third test passed. What is the next test? test for Carson Beck to pass as he to use the words of Kirk Kerbstreet, as he continues to fully grow up and fully mature into the role of a Georgia starting quarterback not just for any team but a team that has aspirations of winning the national championship what is next for Carson Beck here's what I'd suggest I guess you can say in a roundabout way facing a ranked opponent here this upcoming Saturday night is sort of the next new thing that Beck's doing for the first time but beyond that I think the next big job for Carson Beck or the next big test for him to pass as he grows into the role of the Georgia starting quarterback is – He's got to be a part of the solution to some of the things that are plaguing Georgia here right now. And while Herbstreet works for ESPN, said some really nice things about back. another of Herbstreet's ESPN colleagues, a little bit more pointed in his criticism of Georgia this week. Connor Riley wrote a story about this at dognation.com, a little bit of a somewhat harsh evaluation of georgia offensively after where it is after these five games bill Conley, sort of one of those and i say this lovingly but sort of math nerd type guys super into all the analytics the advanced stats type stuff uh apparently conley doesn't like as much from georgia right now as herb street seems to think that he likes about uga let me read to you from connor's story here at dognation.com starting off with connor's words as for why georgia hasn't always looked the part of being the number one team espn's bill conley laid out his thoughts he ranked georgia listen to this number five of the unbeaten teams left in college football so herp street's got georgia number one but of unbeaten teams uh conley using his sort of math nerd calculator stuff only has georgia fifth behind michigan ohio state oregon and washington now here's the quote from bill conley espn.com connor wrote about this at dog nation slow starts and no big plays uh conley says that big plays create easy points and Georgia ranks just 81st in marginal explosiveness, whatever that is, 107th in rushing, 71st in passing when that category. Combine that, Conley says, with some dreadful starts, despite a soft schedule, the dog's first quarter scoring margin is uh, only 0.0, which is what, that's the line from Animal House, 0.0, yeah. That's Georgia's scoring margin here in the first quarter uh, thus far this season, meaning they've scored 17 points, they've allowed 17 points thus far in the uh, first quarter here this season conley says that's worst of any team in the ap top 20 conley concludes by saying with all that being true you've got a team that has to work for quite a long time to get up on opponents as they should now i don't agree with everything that conley says there when it comes to the things like marginal explosiveness i'm not even sure i understand that but if if you're going to say they rank low in marginal explosiveness that may certainly appears to me to be directionally true even if i can't you know explain and describe the specific accuracy of it because we are not seeing a great deal of explosive plays from Georgia and the the statement that Conley uses there about the uh big plays create easy points you've heard me say that many times already uh this season we evaluate the Georgia offense that you got to have the explosive plays that lead to points because the points eventually lead to wins and Against SEC competition, it's just true. Georgia needs to score more points against the SEC teams that it plays, not to rack up style points or impressive wins, beauty contest type stuff, but because oftentimes these performances offensively against the sort of more Stout teams on your schedule become pretty strong predictors of how you'll do later on in the games that matter most. George's averaged 37 points per game against SEC foes in each of the last two uh, national championship seasons. That gives you an idea of just how good George's been you know in that regard and right now they're well below that. And so Carson Beck has passed all the tests that he's been given thus far this year. He has won his first SEC game, won his first road game, come from behind a couple of times now. Kirk Street says he's growing up. Seems like that's true. So the next step in his growth towards fully being the Georgia starting quarterback, the next step in his maturity is you got to fix some of this kind of stuff. you got to be turned loose maybe or perhaps just finding a way to be slightly more effective to create the kind of explosive plays that do allow you to score more points, that do allow you to get more of the kind of easy wins that georgia has made the sort of the defining characteristic of its last two national championship seasons and as conley alludes to some of that little earlier in the game where right now georgia's just sort of flat-footed even with the teams that it's playing through the first 15 minutes some of that would also be kind of a nice thing there as well but you may not necessarily care as much about like an espn talking head uh math nerd calculator type guy saying this but you're probably a little bit more interested in what kirby smart has to say about this and even though smart describes it maybe a slightly different way smart as recently as last night also once again openly acknowledge that georgia does need to be better offensively at the beginning of the game but also just throughout the game overall this is how smart chose to say that last night
2: absolutely we need to improve it but you know we look at everything and you know i think we went three and out one time on offense Every other time we move the ball, which that's what you want to do. Obviously you want to score, but you want to move the ball so you can create field position. On defense, we've gone three and out maybe once or twice. We did last week. So it's not the first possession, but it is the first quarter, you know. And some of that has been circumstance of missing a field goal. Um, some of that has been circumstances of we defer. So we, if we win the toss, we never get that extra possession in the first quarter because they get it. Um, but those are all just excuses. I mean, you know, we we, we got to play better. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why it happens. I've been, I've been years where, you know, you score every first possession and you stop them every time. And then for a while we were like, we couldn't get it started in third quarter. We, we, we could never get any momentum going in the third quarter, and we were off on the third quarter, one of the years we won a national championship. But um, it's something you try to address and think about the way you start the game. But don't overthink it because we're, we're trying to plan for the whole game.
1: That's a small point, but I do think it's really important that while we kind of fixate on the fact that weirdly it's been the first quarters of games which Georgia had the biggest issue, the truth is, is that... It's really more about the total number of points scored per game, the total number of big plays collected during the game that result in the kind of scores that give Georgia a chance to have some slightly easier wins. It seems like a lot of this is clustered in the first quarter, but if you fixate on how do you start faster, how do you start faster, how do you start faster, I think you perhaps miss the larger story, which is how do you just be better offensively in general? Forget the fact for a moment it's all clustered, in or at least a lot of it's clustered at one particular time during the game, and just look at the larger big picture of against a team like Kentucky who this year has actually produced more plays of 20 or more yards uh, than Georgia has despite the fact that Kentucky plays slower than just about anybody in the country Um, how do you produce the kind of explosive offense on Saturday that gives you a chance to get the kind of easy-ish anyway two touchdown uh, win that the experts think you're supposed to have against the Wildcats well Carson Beck I believe plays a big role in making that happen on Saturday and the good news is when everybody looks at Beck right now, it certainly seems like a lot of people are seeing some version of the same thing. Georgia fans were pretty happy with Beck after the game against Auburn on Saturday. He earned some, at times, difficult to earn praise from UGA fans for how he performed. Kirk Herbstreit, who's kind of viewing this more from a sort of a 10,000-foot perspective, he had some nice things to say about Beck there as well. Everybody seems to be saying something pretty similar. Looks like he's growing up. Looks like he's becoming more comfortable in the role of Georgia starting quarterback. Well, Saturday night, the big stage against a ranked opponent who also happens to be undefeated, coming off a big win against Florida. Saturday night is a great opportunity for Carson back to show the next phase, the next development of that maturity go out, make some big throws, connect on some big completions, get some explosive plays, score more points. And if that happens, perhaps Georgia takes the next step towards being the kind of dominant elite team that we expect the dogs will be before the season comes to a close. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Breda Pest Manage. We're glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, video, 10 a.m. across all video platforms, 945, 1st and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, podcasts all over the place. By the way, specific message for those that listen via podcast or who know someone who does this is coming up in a second. It's massively complicated, but I'm going to walk you through this, uh, something pretty important here in a moment. I'm going to try not to bore you to tears, especially for those that are not impacted by this at all. That's coming up in a moment. Uh, prior to that, though, big thanks to Breda Pass Manager who make this show possible because all these platforms, we try to be on them all. And we try to function, you know, well on all of them. Breda Pass Management making that possible for us here today. And, of course, I know Matt and the entire team over there at Breda Pass Management. They're also very excited about Brocktober as well, which we are in here right now. More on Brocktober here in a little bit too. But Breda Pass Management, they're the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. They're going to be keeping bugs and critters, including the Wildcats, out of San Francisco on Saturday, at least out of the end zone, hopefully anyway, on Saturday. Because Breda Pass Management takes care of all. Of UGA's athletic facilities, keeping them termite free, bug and critter free, uh, flying squirrels, things like that. I don't know if flying squirrels are getting to Sanford Stadium. I certainly hope not, but they can get into your house. And if that becomes the case, you want the folks at Bray to Pass Management to help you get rid of them because in Georgia, stuff like that can kind of happen from time to time. Or perhaps for you, it's a little bit more simple, straightforward type deal. Maybe you're just tired of whatever company you're working with because your cost of service keeps going up. You get that letter in your mail, termite ter- coverage getting more expensive. Everything seems to be getting more expensive. So finding Way to save money when you can, really important. That is what Brada Pass Management helps you do. So find them online braidapass.com, B-R-E-D-A, Bradapass.com. One more time. Braidapass.com, B-R-E-D-A, BradaPass.com. Uh, they're gonna put more money back in your pocket just for for making the switch. That's why I love recommending them because if I can save you money, I want to. That's how much I care for you. And our friends at Breda Pest Manager are going to give you a chance to do that. The official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. Okay, before I get into everything else coming up on the show, let me talk here for a moment. And you know the meme of former presidential candidate bernie sanders whether you like his politics or not but you know the meme where he's like i'm once again here asking you to blah 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 you may have seen that meme before well i'm sort of the the bernie sanders meme here for a moment of i am once again here asking you to help me out with something as it relates to the podcast you may remember like a year ago or if it was two years ago i honestly can't remember if it was last year or the year before last we had an issue issue with our apple podcast subscribers and we have apparently, based on some feedback that I'm getting, something going on with that again. But here's where things get complicated. The last time we had this, everybody was impacted. Anybody who subscribed to Via Apple was impacted. This time, the best that I can tell is only some people are impacted by this. Now, this is super complicated, and I realize it's also kind of boring if you're not impacted by this. So I apologize, but this is important to me. So would you tolerate me talking about some kind of boring procedural stuff for like a few more seconds. Now, you may be wondering, well, how can only some people be impacted by this? Because for years now, and this is very weird, for years now, we have had two different Dog Nation Daily podcast feeds. It was a total accident, happened a few years ago, but we've got so many subscribers on both these feeds that it doesn't make any sense to try to do anything about it because they don't know about the other feed and it's a total mess. And a lot of things like that just from early years just never quite get cleaned up. So, Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you have not been getting the Dog Nation Daily podcast feed, now, if you haven't been getting it, perhaps you're not hearing me right now. Here's what you can do. First of all, we've been, this is going on year nine of doing this show. There have been two days in the history of this show we didn't have a show. There was a snow day one day like way back in 2017. And there was one day last year where finally, for the very first time in Dog Nation Daily history, I had the flu or whatever. And I missed a day of the show last year. I've had one sick day in nine years. We had a snow day one time, like however many years ago, seven years ago, whatever that was. Um, and that's it. Other than that, we never missed a day. So if the show doesn't show up, it's not because we're not here because we are never not here to use a double negative. So There's always something weird going on if the show doesn't show up. We never miss a show. We don't miss shows. I don't get sick. I don't get headaches. I don't feel discomfort. Um, We don't miss shows. Um, So always know that something's weird if the show doesn't show up. But the second thing is, is if you have been in any way impacted by this, you can either do this. You can go search for Dog Nation Daily in apple find the other podcast feed click in there and the shows have been loading just fine the best that i can tell you can also listen via spotify which i think functions pretty well any of the video players uh directly through soundcloud there's a lot of platforms we try to make the show on so i realize that's mega complicated and tedious and boring but that's the issue there now here's my request if someone's impacted by this there's a very good chance they're not listening to us right now so and i said this the same thing year or two ago we're gonna do this like high attendance sunday at the baptist church when you're growing up we're gonna go out and we're gonna do some outreach on the backsliders and get them back in here so if you know somebody that listens via the apple podcast player i want you to tell them ba told this long complicated spiel about an issue that's affecting some people via dog nation daily on apple and he had this whole complicated thing about how to go find the show if you're not getting it now eventually We're going to get it fixed for both of the subscriber groups within Apple. But for now, they may have to go find the other feed in Apple or listen on Spotify or one of the video platforms that we're on. And now we actually archive the show every day at dognation.com, which is actually something we've been doing for a couple of months and I haven't made too big of a deal about. But it's also easier than ever to find the show because the video is now archived at dognation.com, a site that you're probably already visiting on a regular basis anyway. So I've talked about this too long, probably, you know, kind of lost some people in the midst of all of this but just one more time some apple podcast subscribers have been impacted by i don't even know what i never understand any of this stuff so if you know somebody who does like to listen via apple do me a huge favor try to help them out tell them what i said they can either find it on the other dog nation daily that's floating around the apple search function somewhere spotify on video including now archived at DogNation.com. And if any of that doesn't make sense, hit me up, uh, HMU, and I will try to help you and walk through that. And by the way, to those of you who are always kind enough to point out to me when something goes wrong, and unfortunately, <laughs> that's not an infrequent occurrence. But when, when something does go wrong, a few of you always, hey, B.A., just want you to know, blah, blah, blah. I am so, so grateful for those of you who uh, do that. Thank you. Thank you very much. And with that, we're going to move on and actually start talking about what we're paid to talk about, which is Georgia football. So before we're done, it's uh, Mike Griffith here. Mike will give us an update on everything going on in practice this week as Georgia gets ready for Kentucky on Saturday. Jake Fromm coming up in a couple of minutes. We're actually I'm going to kind of shake things up and do Jake a little earlier here than we uh, typically do because Jake's got some really good things to say today. And before that, let's go around the doghouse poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper. And After all that long, complicated spiel a moment ago, I could use dr pepper right now but the thing that will get me back in a good mood is not just dr pepper it's also the month of brocktober there as well and we feel great about brocktober right now because the thing that we're enjoying is the level of attention that brock is getting we think well deserved and the whole point of brocktober is three games this month kentucky pat standing game against vanderbilt Big platform, 330 CBS for the rivalry game against Florida. By the time Brock Tober comes to an end, we think that Brock Bowers could not only be right in the thick of the Heisman race, he may actually be the Heisman leader by the end of this month based on the way that he's playing now and based on the momentum that seems to be growing in terms of Brock getting a lot of very appropriate attention. That's just a fun thing to consider here. And Brock has been a great player now for two years at Georgia, but Georgia has had so many great players the last couple of years Oftentimes, greatness hides in plain sight, and perhaps it's not always been super easy to to uh, uh, observe just how great Brock Bowers has been. But moving into this year, a little bit different kind of Georgia team, a little bit different category of player for Brock now. All of a sudden, he's getting the kind of individual attention that he probably doesn't want. In fact, he definitely doesn't want it. You know, Georgia has never really sought out for any of its individual players, but in terms of the level of achievement that Brock continues to unlock week after week after week, something that's absolutely totally appropriate and I tell you we said this at the time we get plenty wrong but one thing we got right way back in July was is that SEC media days was a very important week for Brock Bowers because it was at that particular event that a lot of media people were introduced to Bowers for the first time and the level of coverage the level of attention he's gotten since then has been at a different level than it was before Not to Bowers' liking. He doesn't seek out the spotlight. But sometimes it's our job to shine the spotlight on guys who are just doing it to a higher degree. And no one's doing it to a better level than what Brock Bowers is right now. And at that event yesterday, a guy named Brad Crawford, who writes for 24-7 Sports, I'm going to show you this on the screen, uh, what Crawford wrote on Twitter. He said yesterday, is Brock Bowers a legitimate Heisman contender? So you're seeing a lot of these writers, national-type guys, bowers heisman same sentence that's kind of the whole deal about uh brock right now this is working uh brad says going back to sec media days i asked him what it would take to win the award right now crawford says that bowers leads number one georgia with 30 catches 413 receiving yards and three total touchdowns. So way back in July, what did Bowers say about the possibility that he might win the Heisman Trophy? Something that is very realistic, I believe, here right now. These are the typically shy, not shy maybe, but certainly humble and, and demure words from Bowers on that particular topic. Here is Brock on the notion that he could win the Heisman Trophy. If you're that guy this season, what kind of year would it take out of you to be a finalist for that award? Yeah,
2: I think it would take a lot um, just because tight end like positional value isn't super high usually. And um, like I, was, I said earlier, um, quarterbacks, I mean, they're they usually like the best player on the field because they uh, they need to like be like, kind of the field general. And that's why they usually win the award. So um, it would take a lot this year for me to do that. Has Mike Bobo told you at all that you're going to get the football in a different sort of role, hybrid type role? yeah, I think he'll, um, he'll use me a lot like Coach Mungin did and um, kind of throw a few of his own wrinkles in there. But, um, I mean, I'll be happy with whatever helps the team win.
1: So, there you go. So, way back in July it was even being discussed then, Brock Bauer saying, hey, it's kind of a quarterback's award, hard to do, but ultimately I just want to do what needed to be done to help the team win. But right now, this is a different kind of Georgia team. And all of a sudden, the definition of do what's needed to help Georgia win that's a little bit more of the superstar-type turn we saw Bowers take in the second half against Auburn the other day, and that's why this entire thing I think right now is real and legitimate. Now, honestly, I'm a wrestling you know, commentator, circus ringmaster type. I'd probably be shouting this from the heavens whether it was true or not, perhaps anyway, but in this particular case, this is real and this is genuine. Brock Bowers right now is introducing himself to the entire country as the best player in the entire sport, and on Saturday night against Kentucky – we think Georgia takes another step, and Bowers himself helps lead the way in all of that. It is his month, after all. Welcome to Brocktober. And that is around the doghouse, poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper. And we love college football. We love the fact that Dr. Pepper loves college football because we also love Dr. Pepper there, too. You're watching those Fansville commercials. You're experiencing everything that's going on there with that, and you need to experience the great taste of Dr. Pepper for your tailgate, for your watch party, wherever you're getting together with college football uh, fans or As you're enjoying our show each and every day here, pop the top on a Dr. Pepper and enjoy that there too. Whether it be the Zero Sugar, the brand new Dr. Pepper strawberries and Cream, uh, just the uh, regular old Dr. Pepper, whatever your favorite is, it's the rich, delicious, one-of-a-kind flavor of Dr. Pepper that goes great with game day dr pepper is truly the one that fans deserve all right so uh check that out today really good stuff on all of that all right it's mike griffith before we're done mike's got some interesting things to say about georgia playing kentucky on saturday also mike pretty instrumental in helping uh us get together for a really really cool event taking place uh later on in a couple of weeks with the former uh beloved georgia football coach mark rick we'll tell you all about that here coming up in just a little bit too but for now more on Bowers his Heisman candidacy and the performance that he's had thus far this season what's it what's it going to take to beat Kentucky on Saturday and how about the nature of this Georgia offense now and the role that Carson Beck is playing in all of that let's talk to a guy who's had the same job that Beck now has The starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs at one point in time Jake Fromm knew what that feel, felt like and he joins us now as part of a Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily today hello dog nation funny thing happened on the way to playing the jake Fromm interview here I had a little bit of a i don't even know what you call it uh an issue let's just say that so here is what we're gonna do we're gonna hopefully bring you the from interview at some point in time this week we recorded it on a tuesday afternoon and hopefully we'll be able to play that for you but it didn't quite work out today because sometimes that's the way that it goes so We're going to move ahead, we're going to let you hear from Mike Griffith, and then we're going to kind of play the SEC through after that. We're basically rearranging the show to kind of make it make a little bit more sense here. So sorry about the bait and switch on the Jake Fromm interview, but you'll hear Mike Griffith, we'll talk a lot of Georgia-Kentucky, we'll get into some of the other big games of the weekend after that, and then wrap things up here on a Wednesday. Of course, we appreciate you being here, a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management today. From Athens and across the SEC, or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Time for a Georgia Farm Bureau Insider update with uh, Mike Griffith. Obviously, a lot to talk about when it comes to Georgia and Kentucky coming up on Saturday. uh Mike, though, before we get to that, I want to just take a moment to mention uh what we heard from uh, Georgia coach Mark, former Georgia coach Mark Richt, earlier this week. Fun event, the Dog Nation's uh, happy to be a part of, and I know you played a big role and helping us kind of be a part of this and obviously we're all in, you know, great support of the the causes that are near and dear to the Rick family's heart here, raising money for Parkinson's disease and obviously Crohn's disease there as well, two uh diseases that cause a lot of discomfort for a lot of people and so if we can do anything to kind of get us closer to some breakthroughs and research and cure, obviously any kind of money that can be raised is huge on that. So give me a quick thought here on what's going to go down on a Wednesday, October 18th with the, uh, the dog bowl there with a coach Rick at the bowling alley and some fun stuff going on. that dog nation's lucky enough to be a part of.
0: Yeah, Brandon, I'm really uh, looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. Uh, It's going to be fun seeing you host it. Um, You're going to be able to interview coach Rick and Josh Brooks at the, start of that uh, i think we're going to go around 6 30 on the 18th on the bye week on that wednesday so that's going to be cool to hear from josh brooks and mark rick at the front of that and then and then some play-by-play uh bowling i i have no earthly idea how this is going to get it sounds like it's going to be a little crazy we don't know how crazy i know bj sweeney our boss is kind of holding his breath but uh, as long as you're holding the microphone and we've got access to players on every lane i can't wait to see who we interview and And, uh, you know, how much fun that's going to be to see those kids having fun and in their element they're competing for these weight belts. And, uh, you know, I was telling uh, Coach Rick, I said, um, you know, know, it's cool, there's going to be some former players there like John Stinscombe and David Green. He goes, yeah, these guys are going to be competing. He said, "Uh, Pollock's going to be there. I said, well, then we probably won't get Pollock. He goes, oh, no, no, I can make David talk. I said, oh, wow, okay, here we go. So this is going to be a fun event, uh, different, unique, and really cool that Coach Rick chose Dog Nation uh to be the the uh, media um uh, intermediary to live stream it and and obviously having you host it's gonna be a lot of fun as well. How
1: much fun was it seeing Rick and Kirby together, you know, on yeah. Monday too very different eras of georgia football and in some respects from a personality standpoint at times they seem you know pretty different too but we know how much respect kirby has for rick obviously a guy that once gave him a job and you know clearly uh you know kirby from afar saw the success that rick was having as a precursor to the success that coach mart's enjoying here right now and to see both those guys in the same building on on monday interacting with each other a little bit sharing some laughs uh, i know for me longtime georgia fan really fun to see that interplay between the two, and I'm sure for you, uh, kind of a nice thing to be in person for as well.
0: Yeah, magical. You know, I mentioned to Coach Rick about the the press conferences, and I knew that Kirby would do anything for him, and, um, you know, Kirby's so loyal to the program, and he's so loyal to people, and like you said, uh, you know, Kirby was on that SEC championship staff. Coach Rick had hired him, really wanted to hire him for defense, but there wasn't a spot, Uh, so he had a running back job, and he hired him for that. The plan was to keep Kirby, and uh, move him over to defense but obviously Kirby went with Nick Saban and the Dolphins after that one year but Kirby doesn't forget people that helped and he's got a ton of respect for Mark Richt and you know one thing that seems to get lost a lot you know in a lot of other fan bases is you know well if this coach is gone you know we got to pick between this two these two guys and the new guys the good one and the old George is unique in their lineage of coaches there's a ton of respect and you know we've had Kirby on dog nation before when we had coach Goff on and Kirby was a surprise guest and Obviously, you know, Coach Donnan has been on our – it's very – Georgia has a very unique lineage of how their football coaches get along. And there's been very good continuity. And I think that's a big part why Georgia leads the nation in the longest active bowl streak. I mean, Georgia football has just never seemingly been bad. It's just never been bad. I mean, the down cycles really haven't been that down. And I think some of that has to do with the way the transitions have gone, the way Coach Dooley oversaw the program. And then just the individuals, and and you're right. To see Kirby and Coach Rick in the same room was really cool. And uh, Coach Rick with some really funny jokes there, Brandon. About uh, you know, if if in today's world the NCAA would would give a guy a two-game penalty for winning a belt, a championship belt, at a charity event, a pretty clear reference to Todd Gurley. Uh, but it was, it was fun, it was unique, and uh, it was it was a historical moment, I
1: think. So shifting gears to Saturday's game against Kentucky, you know, I've got respect for what this Kentucky team has done. I think the Florida game changed a lot of that for me. Early, early in the year, I wasn't so sure, undefeated record, but on a sort of game-to-game basis, not quite so sure that the Wildcats have been all that impressive. But I think after five games now, including an SEC win against the uh, Gators, this is a Kentucky team that I think does what it does very well. It controls the pace, controls the clock, and yet finds a way to be, you know, somewhat explosive within their deliberate style of play, which I think sets themselves up to be pretty dangerous on Saturday. In other words, as a Georgia partisan here, as someone who's clearly not, you know, solely an objective observer, I want Georgia to win, and I do believe that this game's gonna be tough. I think that is gonna give Georgia a pretty solid fight on saturday and while i expect georgia to come out on top i don't expect it to come out on top without a fight and i'm guessing this game probably closer than the experts think it's going to be what's your early read on georgia kentucky
0: oh uh, you're tipping your hand on go with the flow ba i'm surprised usually usually you wait until uh, friday to tell us that yeah. um I, you know i i i like this game for georgia i like this matchup for georgia i think it's a good test I think it comes at the right time. I think it's the dose of of challenge that this Georgia team needs. I think at Auburn, you know, a little bit of a slow start, and you know, to me, that was a really good win. I, I know I said last week I thought that would be a close game. It was. I think Georgia will win this game. Also, I, I don't know about the spread. It's kind of hard to forecast. You remember a couple years ago, Kentucky scored with like two seconds left to cover. I mean, they do that. Um, I, I, I just don't think that that Mark Stoops is going to out Kirby Kirby. I just, I just don't see kentucky able to be especially not in sanford stadium and the way the georgia crowd answers the bell and i think the georgia crowd realizes that they're going to be needed saturday i think they are going to make a difference i don't think devin leary the, the transfer from nc state has been in anything like this and, and i think the georgia crowd is going to need to answer the bell i think they will it's a night nice game i like the matchup uh you know brock bowers obviously is going to be big uh, but remember to your point that kentucky does play him there's only one touchdown last year Uh, steps in uh, about through that pick six and Kirby shut the pass game down the whole second half um I never thought they were going to lose last year but uh that that wasn't a pretty game it wasn't a pretty game last year and and Kentucky makes it not a pretty game they're physical um I think this Georgia team is actually a better matchup than last year's um because I think Beck can whistle the ball and also I don't think it's going to be in the 30s so I think this is a good game
1: for Georgia All right, it's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with uh, Mike Griffith here and of course uh, Georgia Farm Bureau folks, just the same way we are, getting ready for football on the weekends, their folks doing the same thing because they're here in Georgia just like we are, you know, they're living they're working, they're volunteering with their kids' school, going to youth sports, all the type of stuff that we're doing, they're doing the same thing right here in the uh, state that we all call home here, that means when you have some sort of insurance need, they understand you as a fellow Georgian, that's when we say that Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. And when you check them out for their uh, products they can offer you and service they can offer you when it comes to life insurance or home insurance or uh, auto insurance, uh, you'll find out just how true that really is. So please check them out online, gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com for more on that. All right, Mike, uh, we're late, so we got to go here. But let me just get one more thought from you off something we talked about off the top of the program, which is the consensus I'm hearing from a lot of Georgia fans was also echoed by something that Kirk Herbstreet said on Twitter which was that it seemed like Carson Beck kind of grew up a little bit in his first road start the same way he probably showed some of those maturity traits and that win against South Carolina a couple of weeks prior to that next step in all of this might be in figuring out a way to kind of contribute to Georgia playing a little bit more consistently across the board offensively, especially first quarter where Georgia's had its issues. Do you think this Georgia offense is ready to break out in a way against Kentucky on Saturday in front of some friendly folks' uh, night game at Sanford Stadium in a way that perhaps we haven't seen at any point in time thus far this year, at least to this point?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's the offense growing up around them. It turns out Delp ran the wrong route. Yeah, we all said, oh, he overthrew Oscar Delp. But no, Delp was supposed to bend in. It was an Oscar Delp mistake. But, you know, the quarterback takes the blame, right? I think it's more to do with plays or players around him. You know, can you get him a running game? I mean, Stetson Bennett had the benefit of a really good running game. Uh, Stetson Bennett had the benefit of two experienced offensive tackles. Uh, you know, Georgia down their two starting you know tackles from a year ago now with Broderick Jones onto the NFL. And, and, and of course, you got Amarius Mims out and then Blasky's out. You know, you you're three tackles down. You don't have a running game. You got two transfer receivers that are in their first year in the offense. Your best receiver was on a pitch count last week and you saw what difference he made. So, I think it's more about the rest of the offense. I think it's more about the skill position guys than it is about Carson. But I think Carson does fine. He's he's a distributor of the ball. He's not going to make plays with his feet like Stetson did. But I think he's more he's a more accurate passer. He's more consistent throwing the ball. I think he makes better decisions overall than Stetson did. Remains to be seen if he can perform in the clutch like Stetson. Stetson had some pretty uh, magical moments there. But overall, uh, Carson, more consistent but a different type of quarterback. Um you know, and maybe not the playmaker with his feet as Stetson was on occasion doesn't bring that same threat. So it's about the rest of the offense growing up around. I think Carson's fine. Uh, I think he's a flat liner. I, I, I can't tell the emotions, like you said. I mean, he's just a different cat. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't think that Carson Beck is going to be the reason that Georgia loses a game. I, I, I just don't think that. Um, I think he's fine. I think Beck's fine. I think Bobo's fine. I think it's all about the skill position players growing up and, and getting better around it.
1: All right, Mike, good stuff. Thanks for being here, part of our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. We'll look forward to uh, hearing from you again very soon. See you in Athens on Saturday. Look
0: forward to it,
1: B.A. Let's take a look around the
0: rest of the league. This is
1: SEC Fruit. We also want to get ready right now to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And when things are not great, and unfortunately, frequently they are, um, I like to kind of think of myself being uh, just in the Caribbean. And you close your eyes and you're like sitting there either on the deck of a Royal Caribbean cruise ship or perhaps you're one of the one of the great places that Royal Caribbean visits, such as Perfect Day Coco Cay. When you got something like that going on, it is just so nice to kind of envision either times you've had in the past when you've been on a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation or sometime you're going to have in the future on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. That just kind of brings me back to peace. In fact, let me think right now about April of 2024, because you've heard us talk about this before. The Dog Nation cruise coming up April of 2024 on board Allure of the Seas cannot wait for that bigger and better than it's ever been before. And we've already had so many people, literally hundreds of people have already kind of signed up to be a part of this next generation dog nation cruise taking place april of 2024 but there's still some space for you now it's space limited see here's the deal when it comes to royal caribbean uh, cruise vacations right now and this is not a joke i'm being serious the demand for the cruise ships themselves is so popular right now that we can only secure so much space for our dog nation uh cruise right now and once that space is gone then we can have no more we can go to and you have to be a part of the dog nation cruise to take advantage and be a part of the special dog nation themed event so jessica slater you've heard me talk about her before terrific travel agent specially selected for us by royal caribbean and uh, she's got a website that she's put together that gives you all the information you need to know about the dog nation cruise you can find it uh online royaldogs.com that's royaldogs.com you can find that there and find out everything you need to know about the dog nation cruise where we're going perfect day coco K, nasa on the bahamas what we're doing even more specially themed dog nation events than we've ever done before that is all on deck there for april of 2024 royaldogs.com gives you all the information you need to know on that all right interesting time here around georgia high school football obviously that's something i care about and some of the goings-on with Georgia high school football this week also have big impacts on those of us who like college football there as well. First of all, there was an announcement about a brand new way to classify and divide teams here moving forward. Right now, the state of Georgia has up to seven classifications. The highest classification in Georgia is known as 7A. Moving forward next year, they're going to have a little bit of a, I guess, a truncating, you know, kind of a combining of some of the classifications. The highest classification will now be uh 6a and part of the reason why they do that is is because when you spread out all those various classifications you have smaller regions which creates more regular season stuff um, that um require more travel but also smaller regions require more need to schedule non you know non-region games puts a little bit of a strain on the coaches so making larger regions creates a little bit of a scheduling advantage for teams it's just easier to get your 10 game regular season schedule and so that uh is one of the things that's um that that's going on here moving to that 6a classification or six classifications the highest classification being 6a but the ghsa this week has also announced they're going to do something brand new with their private schools which is 3a and below will now be combined to play for one state championship those private schools in the lower classification will continue to participate in the same regions with other teams but they'll compete for their own state championship away from some of the other public schools and how you handle the public and privates has been very very complicated the last few years And i don't know that anybody's particularly satisfied with how this is working out here right now which maybe that's the the sign of a good compromise when nobody's fully happy uh, but it seems like that's one of those things that's going to continue to be discussed. Now, in addition to that, you've also uh, got the announcement this week that the Georgia High School Association has granted some uh, leeway for high school players to start cashing in on NIL, name, image, likeness, the same way that college athletes can do. One thing that's going to be different about high school NIL compared to college NIL is is that while college says, hey, there's no pay-for-play, but functionally it kind of operates as if there is it seems like the high school folks are going to take this a little bit more seriously the actual schools themselves can't have collectives and they can't be playing you know paying for on-field incentives things like that this is really supposed to be now i use air quotes around supposed to be because ultimately you know a a lot of this stuff uh uh, you know sometimes is sort of said to be one thing ends up kind of being something completely different it is supposed to be uh You know, one of those things for only the top athletes who have a lot of measurable NIL value, the likes of which kind of the high five-star and four-star prospects, things like that. This is really just supposed to be for them to not have to wait to kind of cash in on all that. We'll see what kind of unintended consequences there turn out to be on this, because in almost everything, anywhere, anytime, there are some degree of unintended consequences. So we will see uh, what those end up being for this. Uh, but there is a new horizon here with Georgia high school football. The allowance for some NIL payments for some high school athletes. Georgia out in front of some other states that Florida doesn't have this yet. Although I believe they're working towards it. Alabama doesn't have this. Texas doesn't have this. Carolinas, I think, haven't uh, haven't done this yet. Some states do. Some states don't. So uh, Georgia kind of moving to the forefront at least with some of the states it typically competes with in terms of the supremacy of high school football and kind of paving the way for some of the NIL stuff. So uh that is that let me also give you a couple thoughts here on some of the big games of the upcoming weekend we're obviously talking a lot about uh georgia kentucky and we will continue to do so but there are other games of note on saturday that are definitely worth your time and we're going to learn a lot more about where especially here in the sec where some of these teams stand moving into uh this particular weekend i think undefeated missouri hosting lsu is fascinating Now i get the impression that a lot of people have kind of turned their back forever on LSU because of how bad their defense performed last week against Ole Miss. You certainly understand that, and a lot of folks really like what Missouri's been able to do, one of the surprising undefeated teams at least at this point in the uh schedule, and perhaps that continues. If it does, if Missouri finds a way to beat LSU and right now given LSU's really difficulty stopping anyone, um if that if that be the case, then all of a sudden there's potentially more hype for the Georgia-Missouri game in a couple of weeks, or at least beginning in November, because um, if Missouri wins this one, they could win the next couple there as well. There's potentially more hype for an undefeated Missouri coming in later in the year, first Saturday in November, uh, than there is right now for an undefeated Kentucky team coming in, because it would just be much later in the year. So I think what you need is a reconsidering right now of the Georgia schedule. This was thought to be the weakest, softest schedule on paper than any kind of national championship contender played in quite some time, certainly what's viewed to be the sec front runner a weaker schedule than they'd played at, at, at any point in time at least in recent memory and all of a sudden now you have to say that doesn't exactly feel so true anymore saturday georgia plays its first ranked opponent of the year but you look ahead in future weeks kentucky is one of four ranked opponents currently on the georgia schedule and if missouri wins against lsu which you know admittedly is going to be a tough task uh, missouri is still about a touchdown underdog here in this spot but if they were to find a way to win all of a sudden George, Missouri becomes a very big deal, assuming that Missouri keeps that up prior to playing that game to begin the month of November. Uh, I also think Alabama Tech M is a very big deal and a very, very interesting football game. And, you know, some folks you know, don't participate in our live chats and our comment sections and things like that. But for those who do, one of the things you're well aware of is kind of a long time joke around here is early days of Jimbo Fisher Texaneium. I was a pretty big believer in Jimbo as a guy who I thought could be a transformational figure for that program. I thought it was a huge coup for A&M to be able to hire a um, you know a a national championship winning coach. Spending big to bring in a big name seemed like a pretty good investment for me on the part of Texas A&M, and I predicted big things for Jimbo while at A&M. Obviously, that has not worked out. That's not been the case. And yet, this week, with A&M, given the fact that it played Alabama very close a year ago, beat them in 2021, it sort of feels like on Saturday, this may be another chance for Jimbo Fisher to actually do something pretty big with Texas A&M. The point spread's pretty narrow here. Alabama's only about a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in College Station. Obviously, a and lost this year to Miami, but Miami looks like a pretty good football team. So A&M's ability to kind of shake that off, move on from that, seems like they're kind of doing that. And like the one thing that A&M sort of seems like it has going for it is a pair of receivers right now in Evan Stewart and Nia Smith that look to be about as good as anything the SEC has. And the kind of dynamic receiver play that you're used to seeing uh, Alabama have for a good number of years, it seems like Texas A&M's kind of got that right now. And so perhaps this is me you know, buying into A&M again, only to be let down eventually for another prediction that turns out to be wrong. But for an Alabama team that we think we've seen some limitations for, that we think we've seen some kind of a ceiling and a cap on what its level of achievement is, is for this season – this feels like a pretty dangerous game for Alabama. Alabama's played much better after having lost to, to Texas and had the near miss uh, there at South Florida. They've played better uh, against SEC foes the last couple of weeks. But I think that A&M in a pretty interesting spot here in this game. And speaking of uh, Texas, outside the SEC, obviously the Red River shootout rivalry game between uh, Texas and Oklahoma on tap for Saturday too. Thus far, Texas has done everything you would expect a true and legitimate playoff contender to do. They've done everything. You expect a team like that to do. Pretty quietly, though, Oklahoma's not been bad this season. Brent Venable's starting to kind of get that feel of the kind of defense he wants to have. And, you know, at one point, I thought, you know, Jackson Arnold might kind of work his way into the starting quarterback role and kind of unseat Dylan Gabriel there. Thus far, Gabriel hasn't given you too much of a reason to put him on the bench, Oklahoma's not playing a bad brand of football in itself. I think this is a really fun game on Saturday and the final meeting between these two teams before joining the SEC next year. And as we said, Greg Sankey is planning on attending this game. So uh, that is fun to consider. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of royal caribbean let me also give a shout out here to our friends the finish long drink obviously getting ready for a big day-long tailgates on saturday the weather's been amazing too lately and y'all know uh, i like the finish long drink anywhere anytime but outside when the weather's warm i really really like it and today's one of those great days to be outside and join yourself a little finish long drink perhaps saturday in athens will be the same thing once again listen whichever version of the finished long drink goes best for you in situations like that my invitation is to go to the longdrink.com, put in your zip code find out where you can pick some up long drink cranberry long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero no carbs no sugar the traditional in the uh in the blue can the uh the grapefruit flavor the gin kick all of that is just extraordinary. So make sure you uh, try uh, all of that today, or for a limited time right here in the Peach State, you can enjoy yourself some peach-flavored version of the Finish Long Drink. Just a wonderful, wonderful thing to do, a wonderful thing to enjoy. You can do that. Go to thelongdrink.com. Make it a big part of your tailgate and game-watching get-togethers coming up on Saturday. Finish Long Drink goes great there on game all right, so uh, golden shoe, always fun thing to do on any day, but especially some days, it's always nice to have something to put a smile on your face. So let's give you one here. Our buddy Joel Sidney Kelly, such a talented graphic artist, shares this. We had some nice words for Carson Beck earlier in the show. Well, uh, Joel gives us here, you want some context for how well he's playing. Look at these numbers for uh, previous Georgia quarterbacks in their first five starts. Beck at a 72% completion rate, much higher than Stetson Bennett, Jake Fromm, aaron murray matthew stafford way more total yards than any of those guys you know similar number of touchdowns to to guys like Fromm and murray uh the best of that group and just two picks which also makes him fewer picks through his first five games anybody else there as well so you look at the success that all those other quarterbacks had that's really good company for uh carson beck right now and a very good story told in graphic form by our buddy joel Sidney kelly that is good we'll give him a golden shoe for that also lousy stinking gators 24 days from right now uh Georgia beating up on Florida in a big rivalry game final game for Brocktober that's a big one on that national stage 3 30 on CBS uh, we think Bowers has a big show out moment it comes to the hand of the lousy stinking gators fun to think about that we'll see all of you back here tomorrow Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pass Management we'll look forward to talking
0: to you then